everybody. I'm Frankie. And I'm Daniel. And this is Propagated Podcast. Yay! Hello, everyone, and welcome. It is 10 million degrees. Uh, if you hear my computer fan, sorry, there's nothing I can do about it because it's 10 million degrees. <laughs> Because it is just that fucking hot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I contemplated leaving all my windows open because it's that hot. And then the birds were like. And I was like, eh, I don't I don't think people want to hear that. <laughs> I almost forgot to close my door for a second. And I could just hear the hum of my, a- like the AC machine humming. And I was like, oh, fuck. Forget it's like, I'm everything. doing my best. <laughs> oh, I am very excited for this episode this shit is my jam i think this is going to be a fun one yeah i have a different setup today so if you see me looking to the side a bunch it's because i have my notes on my ipad gotcha so that i can have a full screen of your face because i like it oh yay how do i look (laughs) sweaty Sweaty, but really cute just like always oh thank you well gives you a glow I'm shimmering. I'm shimmering. Um, It was interesting while I was doing research for this one. I think we might end up having to do a part two because there is a lot of tree lore out there. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Trees are like, have fascinated humankind since forever. And I was reading in my symbolism of trees and plants and in folklore book, and they put it as like, you know, think about it human beings used to live in the same place all their lives. And so they'd see these trees and grow up with these trees that their fathers grew up with and their grandfathers grew up with. And like these trees were individual living beings that people knew their whole lives. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like that. I don't know why I never thought about it like that before. (laughs) Right. Just permanent fixtures really. Yeah. Last longer than your family. Yeah. No, I mean, Honestly, I feel like we kind of went different directions a little bit today. I think that you went in a singular direction, focusing on some really cool folklore. And I kind of focused on the things that lurk around for us, which I think is kind of fun. Which also will be very easy to do a part two with as well, because there are a metric fuck ton of things that mythologically lurk through forests. So, One of my favorite things was when I was in Norway... And how prevalent the troll lore is out there. And I didn't really get it until we went off into like the woods of Norway. And all the trees there look like trolls. Oh, <laughs> it shit. It was really interesting. I was like, oh, like this is where this comes from. If I was walking around out here at night, I would be like, yeah, that shit's yeah, alive Yeah, that's a troll. For sure. That's alive and that's a troll. <laughs> and it's coming to get me. <laughs> and during the sun, it turns back into a tree or a stone or whatever. But right now, it is living. <laughs> Right now it is coming for me and I don't know how to feel about him. Yeah. Hopefully I've been respectful enough in this forest right now. <laughs> so I have an article for you I thought was really interesting. I thought you'd be into. What are you going to tell me about? It is from the Smithsonian Magazine, smithsonianmag.com. We'll post it on the website. The title is, This Butterfly is the First U.S. Insect to be Wiped Out by Humans. <laughs> Well, I guess if we're going to have a light and fun episode about mythological creatures, we might as well <laughs> start it with some heat, you know? right? 
I mean, I feel like people know who we are by now, right? Well, if not, welcome. Welcome to Propagation Yeah, if Podcast. not, here's a very quick introduction. <laughs> uh, it is by Alex Fox from July 23rd, 2021, so recent. Uh, basically, it's really interesting. They had this preserved specimen of this uh, Xerxes blue butterfly from 1941. And... They were kind of trying to figure out if this blue species of butterfly alive still to this day was the same as this one or not. And so they took this super old specimen and ran DNA tests and realized that, no, it is a separate, different butterfly. And we wiped it out uh, through habitat destruction. Well, isn't that just fucking glorious? Yeah. So the first thing we killed, first insect we killed was 100 years ago. (laughs) God. Let me just take all the forest land away from this thing or prairie land or whatever its preferred habitat was. Anywho, yeah, so that kind of sucks, but it's also awesome. It's cool that like like the whole point of the article was talking about why it's important to collect specimens and preserve so them. So we have correctly. them forever, yeah. Yeah, because we don't know what kind of technology is going to be there in 100 years. I mean, right. this is new. So, yeah, which I thought was cool. Because I love preserved dead things. <laughs> Same. I have skulls all over my room. <laughs> as long as you didn't kill it purposefully, IMO. Okay. So we're going to go back to our roots and we're going to split this episode since Daniel and I had very wildly different interpretations of what flor- forest lore was about, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I mean, love. I think we both hit a very different nail on the head, honestly. I went for like yeah. the mytholo- not like I went for like a mixture of mytho- mythology and and like the folklore of things that creep around in forests and Frankie didn't. So Yeah. Well, I was trying to save that for October personally, but no. Well, with the sheer number, I actually didn't focus really that heavily on scary cryptids. If you didn't know, we're both October babies and we very much love the spooky all the spooks. So I kind of picked different characters from folklore and mythology that were said to kind of like creep around in forests. So it's kind of like all your woodland creatures, I guess, would be more of a way to look at it as the direction I took it. And Ooh. I decided to start with a creature known as the Holdra, Ooh. which is known as its a feminine spirit or like a it's like a feminine spirit but it's kind of similar to like a mermaid or a siren except having beachy vibes it has like forest glade vibes i mean she sounds like awesome i love her who is right um (laughs) so she's predominantly seen in scandinavian folklore and she's said to kind of appear as an ordinary woman in appearance at least from the front. But if you catch her from the side, then you can see a tail very similar to a cow's. And if you catch her from the rear, then her body is said to appear hollow, almost as if she's (gasps) like a husk from the front. And she exists in these forests and in these glades and these forests, and she kind of just skulks around and lures people away from their paths with her beauty and then just keeps them forever, never to be seen again, which I thought oh, was kind of cool. I love cool. that. 
So it's it's yeah. literally like a mermaid of the Life forest. Goals. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of cool that like you can draw the Holdra back into kind of a a lot of people think it's an offshoot from a German mythological story of Frau Hola. I think I'm saying that right. I might be saying it totally wrong and I'm sorry. Um and Frau Hola is known under many monikers in German myth myth. And Frau Hola is known under many monikers in German myth. One of which being Holda, which obviously etymologically is very similar to Holdra. And so that's why there's this like idea of connection etymologically. So there's, like I said, there's an etymological similarity. But another similarity outside of that is that in a lot of the stories of the Holdra and in stories of Frau Hola, she can also appear as an aged and withering lady. And, like, will be helpful and give advice. But then sometimes she is really beautiful and decides that she wants to keep the people that she sees. So (laughs) who knows what you're going to get, you know? I really love this. Honestly, I feel like I might might just turn into that one day. (laughs) I mean, if I had the option, I feel like that would be kind of a fun life. You know, to be nice and, like, help people along the way, do your bit. Or you can just, like, devour people. Is what I have in my brain. It's what I see in my brain. Um, there is also another version of the Holdra that exists in for Icelandic people. Um, and they have what they call the Holda folk, which are their version of like elven Hold people. Holda fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I had to say that in your no. voice. No. <laughs> sorry it's so hot i feel like i'm having to drink so much water oh yeah that's a good idea i keep doing this thing where um i'm forgetting to drink water and so when i go to drink water i'm like (gasps) and i scare everyone at work (laughs) (laughs) is because you're just chugging it or is that your i remembered now to drink water voice (gasps) oh that (sighs) is what i usually do (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh, that's my life right now. <clears throat> anyway, tell yeah. about the Holda folk. Well, I didn't really go that deep into the Holda folk. I was really just talking about how the Icelandic people have somebody that they consider similar etymologically, and yeah, in concept, cool. they're the same kind of thing. They're just four spirits yeah. that wisp around and can either be mischievous or not. Um, but that's the whole. That's Holda. Hold draw. I'm gonna keep saying it. I probably said it wrong five hundred thousand times in there. So Scandinavian Holdra, German Holla, or Holda, and then in Iceland, in Iceland, it's uh, where was it? Holda, Holdu. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, it's a bunch <laughs> of different. Learn Icelandic, I guess. <laughs> but bunch of different holes, holes in there. A lot of holes. Probably a lot of holes in that story, too, honestly, but whatever. <laughs> Did you just make a pun? <gasps> Never. I don't know what you're talking Hold about. Hold a fucking phone. <laughs> Daniel just made a pun. Just, I love how you just went total Midwestern there with that one. That was a, a, a Midwestern. I know. I don't Hold know what happened. Phone. Hold the Hold fucking phone. phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is oh fun. God. I love to podcast. <laughs> All right, so the next person, thing, cryptid, 
it. I don't know. Cryptid, I uh, guess. Uh, creature? Friend? Uh, yeah, creature, I guess. I don't know. We're going to go to Russia. Because, ooh. you know, Russians have some wild-ass fucking stories. If you've never looked down the rabbit hole of, like, Russian mythology or Russian stories, got some fucking crazy shit going on up there. Oh, yeah. Um, I Remember the first book you ever gave me was this book called Loris? Which was incredible, but it was like some wild Russian fairy tale darkness. Yeah. <laughs> don't tend to be a very bright peoples as far as like, uh, I don't mean bright as an in intelligence. I mean, bright as in like, yeah, I was like, wow, that's really like mean. light giving. <laughs> I'm not calling them dumb. Yeah. I mean, their stories tend to be dark is what I is yes. probably the better way to go about saying that. Honestly, sorry. Yeah. Um, they don't tend to be uplifting. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but in Russia, there's the idea of the leshy, um, which many people kind of compare to the British green man, um, which I'm sure if you are up to date with your mythology at all, you've had like some run-ins with the idea of the British green man. The leshy, which is similar to the British green man, is known as a protector of the forest and kind of like a mm. lord of the animals in the forest as well. So, in similar to the Green Man and in Russia, it was kind of commonplace if you needed to go into the forest and, like, take any of those, like, common necessities that you would need. Like, you needed to cut down firewood or needed to go forage for food or hunt or do any of those kind of activities. It'd be very commonplace to leave offerings such as salt, bread, or milk for Leshy so they didn't get angry with you. She didn't want Leshy to get angry with you. Um, yeah. So let's talk about how the Leshy looks because I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. So Leshy is said to appear, which this varies obviously with most folklore. It kind of varies depending on the region that you're looking in and the, the descriptions will have some like little minute differences depending on what area you've researched what a leshy might look like. But in general, the skin is going to be a pale green or sometimes a blue-gray, which is one of those things that kind of differs depending on the region that you're in. And it mm. probably differs based on what the forest looks like. You know, is yeah, there more water? Totally. Are there more yeah. plants that have darker green or lighter green, more moss and gray, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the consistent is that the leshy always has wild green hair and a beard. You'll never see a leshy in any folklore that doesn't have wild green hair and a beard. So that's like your always consistent go-to, same every time. Huh. I also thought this was kind of silly, but also fun. But it's said that he often wears his shoes on the wrong feet and doesn't oh cast God. a shadow. Huh. So that's like some fey shit right there. Yeah, some like for sure. <laughs> huckster, pranky, no shadow casting kind of bullshit, you know? Yeah. Sounds like some weird face shit to me. But here's the cool part about the Leshy, realistically, is the Leshy is a, is a, I'm going to take just a second and let that word form in my brain so it doesn't come out like that again. We're overheated. <laughs> it's too many shits in a line and it's pissing me off. The Leshy is a shape shifter. Ooh. And he can miraculously appear as a mortal man to confuse and mislead trespassers in any of his forest. 
So travelers were often warned to kind of stay close to the path because if you did something the Leshy didn't like, then the Leshy may seek vengeance and would lead you deeper and deeper into the woods just to abandon you. And he said he would disappear into the woods and be laughing on the way out while you were totally lost. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I'm going to help you get out of this mm-hmm. uh, forest here. Haha, ha, just kidding, bitch. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, Never step foot in this forest again. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> right? I mean, that would be wow. pretty terrifying. Like, you feel like you're just, like, following yeah. the path and you, like, get distracted. and You're like, wow, this half tree man is going to totally help me. Oh, no. He did oh, not. Oh, no. He did not do it. He did not help me at all. Um, and it said that he could change his size to be as tall as the tallest tree in his forest or as small as the smallest blade of grass which i thought that wow. was also kind of cool so like unless she got some shape shifting ability honestly yeah so also in all the folklore he is said to be connected to all of the wild animals in his forest and if you look at folklore he's most commonly associated with bears it's said in mm. in part due because the leshy was while he was a protector of the forest i guess to be a protector you also need to have kind of that fearsome like strong brutish vibe in some situations so because people tended to be a little bit fearsome of bears a little bit scared of bears they were connected to the leshy but that's not the only reason the cooler reason in my humble opinion is that in folklore, the leshy hibernate, just like a bear does. So as soon as oh. the leaves fall off the trees and the forest goes to sleep, the leshy is also forced into slumber. With Leshy and any of its kin is also forced into slumber. Huh, so in the, in the wintertime, the leshies are all sleeping. And then in the springtime, the leshy comes back and gets ascribed the power to con or not control but to cause storms as well so i think a lot of that local folklore and describing the early more turbulent springtime weather with storms and heavier rains and stuff of that nature were all kind of attributed to the leshy and the leshy's kin as well because they were all angry that they were forced to hibernate through the winter so they're coming back with a vengeance in the springtime gotcha Huh. And it's also said that the vi- the worst of the worst storms were when two leshies were arguing with one another. Oh, I love that. That's so like, cool. <laughs> so leshy flights, leshy flights. I can't not add letters into words today. It's pissing me off. <laughs> leshy fights literally cause storms, which I think is fucking cool. Yeah, totally. I love that. I have never heard of that before. I've always loved the green man, but I thought it was kind of a cool thing, you know. Um, yeah. And the green man has similar stories behind it too. It's not exactly the same, but they're very rooted in like similar folklore. Yeah. So next, I want to talk about the moss folk. <gasps> so the moss folk come to us from the forest of Germany, and they are known in Germany as the wild people. Oh um, my gosh, I love this already. Mm-hmm. But they can be found in the folklore <laughs> of like neighboring central european countries of poland and like the czech republic as well so they're kind of like widespread they're also sometimes known by a few other names including forest folk or wood folk so i'm sure you 
already have an idea of where this is kind of going. But most of the Moss folk are female. So they're also referred to as woodwives, which I'm not particularly in love with. But still, that's the mythology behind it. Well, don't you know, Daniel, that um, women can only be known by who they're married to? That's their only accomplishment. So Yeah, that's all they've got in life, right? <laughs> Good. Good. Oh, Lord. boy. If you don't know that that was sarcasm, I don't. I don't think you. Know I mean, if sarcasm. you listen to this and you don't, and you didn't think that was sarcasm, then you're doing bad. You should probably just go on. You came to the wrong. I feel place. like I needed to clarify though, just in case you came. You came to the wrong. Just in case there's place, one person holding on, like yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, but regardless of what the moss folk are called, they're always identified with trees, and they are considered to be the guardian spirits of trees. So kind of nice. like a nymph, you know, like in Greek mythology, or you like know. A, what's the one from? Um, An ant, Lord of the Rings. Away. Princess Mononoke. Oh, oh, what are those little guys called? It's the Kokodam, Kokod, the uh, Kodama. K O Kodama. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. So, in appearance, the moss people are typically small like short in stature and usually are older or appear elderly um mm. but not like when you read some of the stories it doesn't necessarily make you think like old and weak more like sage and wise old yeah, yeah. does that make sense so on top of them looking on more on the elderly side and being short Moss covers their face, and then they have almost like gray lichen for hair. Um, and their limbs are said to look like knotted maple bark. Oh, my God. Which is I just like so cute much. as fuck, right? Um, and it's said that the, the wood women also weave moss to dress the roots of the maple tree. So when you see moss on tree roots oh that are exposed, my God. that that's actually little the wood women covering them up and making them comfy and weaving them moss dresses, which is cute, right? It's cute. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cutest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Right? It's so cute. <laughs> that was one of the cuter parts of the stories that I found. Um, unlike the Leshy, the moss people are usually helpful to humans as long as you're being respectful to the forest. So it's like, mm. they're never going to like cause a storm or a ruckus or be mean to you or just guide you they out and make you, you lose tiny yourself. Moss sweaters. Oh my God. And it said that if you can, if you happen to be able to befriend a moss maiden, they will quietly share secrets of the forest with you, such as which plants to use for healing or, or like, just little secrets in the forest, like where to go find this kind of food or little cute things they'll do for you. Oh, my gosh. But if you're careless enough to accidentally crush one of their saplings underfoot, they will all band together and chase you out of their forest. Mm. Yeah. Which is, to me, seems totally fair. Yeah. I mean, I would do the same thing. So alternatively... There is an idea of the wood woman that isn't quite 
the same. Same premise, like almost everything's the same. But there are some people that would have them appear young and beautiful in their stories instead of uh, more elderly. Old and wizened, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, maybe the woodwomen just aren't that nice about coming out and meeting people until they're older and are like, okay, cool, I'll come say hello now, but you don't get to see me in my youth. Like, fuck you. I got my own shit to <laughs> the do. Young, the young moss women are like, stop sexualizing me. <laughs> Don't I fuck made with me. Boss. <laughs> Get out of my fucking forest. But of course, in the stories, there's a difference between if it's if they're not saying the wood wives for the elderly ones, they're saying moss maidens for the younger ones, which I think is kind of cuter. Mm. I kind of like moss maidens better. I don't know. That's just me. I mean, it's just the alliteration. For sure. I just, I just think it rolls yeah. off the tongue better. Yeah, we love an alliteration. Propagated podcast. Primo. So I don't have you ever heard of the wild hunt that occurs on Yuletide, like the pagan mytholo- mythological wild hunt? I know a little bit about it, mostly from songs, but Yeah, it's I didn't really do that much research into it, but the Woodwives, Moss Maidens, Leshy, all of these mythical creatures were said to take part in uh, the Wild Hunt, which is in Germanic and Celtic mythology. And it, like I said, it occurs during Yule time. Um, apparently in other stories, it's called the Furious Host. And it's led mm. by Odin on Sleipnir, which is his eight-legged horse, if you're unfamiliar with Norse mythology. And it was a, a fantastical event. Um, and wild spirits were apparently given purchase to just go on a wild, essentially almost like parade that is also a hunt through the world for a night. And Odin, in some stories, Odin leads it. In some stories, Frau Holt leads it. Um, It's just kind of a cool thing. but That's wonderful. I love that. Like I said, this is kind of a shitty part, so I'm going to bring it down just a notch because I feel like this was an easy episode. But the wild wives and moss maidens are definitely found as being part of the wild hunt, but they aren't necessarily participating voluntarily normally. They're oh. kind of what's getting hunted. So oh, no, don't tell me that. No. So they get they get chased <gasps> by the huntsmen and have to scramble for their lives. Oh, okay. No, I'm out. I'm out. Fuck but <laughs> if you are a good patron and want to be nice to the moss maidens and woodwives of your forest, if you find a tree and mark it with a cross, then that offers a haven where woodwives and wood maidens could, or moss maidens could ride out the storm of the hunt. Aww. Like a Christian um, cross? I guess. I don't know. That's just what, that's the, that's the, uh, uh Probably any kind of runic anything that makes you feel like you're helping them. I don't know. Yeah. I'll make a little house for them. I will build little tiny pine houses and I will safeguard them and I will cover it in iron so even the fae can't enter and then the moss maidens can take their little nap and because I love them. (laughs) Yeah, so I, I, I think that 
maybe I misinterpreted some of this, and I think it might be more of a runic thing, because it says because these creatures were so beloved by the humans who frequented the forests, which would probably not be a Christian thing to, to love a pagan myth. Anyways, mm. whenever they would cut down maybe a tree... Yeah, whenever they would cut down a tree, they would leave an X as a spot for a safe haven for the for the woodland creatures. Yeah, because it, it says in much later folklore, the cross was said to be reviled by mythical beings, but that's likely due mm. to the efforts of the church to break all pagan customs. So Yeah, I feel like I'm so sad that folklore died. Like, it just died. And then it, it makes me so sad. Well, you have Christians and science to thank for that, so. Well, okay, but science is cool. I feel like science <laughs> is its own kind of folklore, too, but it's a different kind of storytelling. It's a very different, very different kind of storytelling situation, but it's I like, agree. like, hey, have you heard how fucking wild fungus is? <laughs> right? Fucking craziest <laughs> shit in the world. Fucks me up every time I learn something new about fungus. I'm just like, why do you? No, you don't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So I've got just a couple more things and then I'm done. So I'm, I hope that I'm going to pronounce this right. It's called the Diogen, um, which is loosely translated to the eyes. And it is actually a ghost that is said to haunt the Sonian forest in Belgium. Ooh. And it's often seen as this like kind of amalgus foggy entity which is followed by smaller shadow figures. Oh my God. Um, this one falls into the realm of a little gruesome. I got, well, not falls into the realm. This story is a little gruesome and I'm just going to give a little trigger warning to the fact that it is a little gruesome and there is some kids that die in the story. And if that is something that you don't want to have to hear about, then you can probably skip ahead like five minutes and you won't have to hear any of this. How do I skip ahead five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Frankie, if you just want to take your headphones out, I'll just, you, you'll hear no reaction from Frankie for the section of the story, I guess. <laughs> um, but the story is based on a series of true events and has kind of become more of a campfire tale because there's not really been a whole lot of actual sightings of the Daogan in recent years. But, um, so of course it's all is kind of because of this book from 1937 by, it was according to the book, De Kinderen van Het Bezetten Bos, which was written in 1937. Nailed it. That's probably so wrong, but I'm just going to run with it because I said it super quick and I'm hoping people just ignore how bad it was. Um, so that's where the legend of the Diogen uh, is said to have begun. Essentially, the story details these, these nuns in the area essentially began finding the burned bodies of young children in the Sonian forest. Um, and it is said in the book that 80 children were murdered and the bodies dumped throughout the forest and set ablaze. Um, but a more accepted number was only eight. So we can't really suss out whether the book was fact or fiction. Eight or 80. <laughs> but it's also, I mean, it's pretty, ver it is verified that there was at least eight, but the book says that there could have been more, essentially. Oh, gotcha. Citing there oh, could have been up to 80. Oh, no. No, I don't like this. Yeah. Um, 
that's as deep as I'm gonna this isn't a true crime podcast I'm not gonna do all the gory details of any of that that's what you get that's where the story comes from that's where the mythology the lore comes from so now I'm just gonna talk about that and leave it at that was it never explained some so the book there are people who swear up and down that 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 it's a true story that it actually happened um but and there are some records that seem to say that it could have actually happened because of mm-hmm. like reports of missing and dead children Ugh. but the way they died and all of that it's very there's not a whole lot known about the case really in truth mm-hmm. uh most of what is known about the case comes from a book which has been deemed to be at least partially fiction um or at least i think people hope it's at least partially fiction um and that's yeah. the most that we really have to go on um but back to the Deogden, Deogden, Deogden. Um, essentially, it appears as this greenish ghost-like fog. And it is said to dart across the road in an attempt to cause cars to veer off the road as well and wreck. Ooh. Um, and then as soon as the car wrecks off the road, you can hear a laughing child and then the mist evaporates. Oh. Nope, nope, double out, bye, I quit the Um, podcast, goodbye. (laughs) And then on other occasions, it is said that the bloody palm print is seen on Carr's window only to soon disappear, Um, and it's supposed to be child-sized as well. But essentially, it's always followed with childish laughter. That's some demon shit. Um, And it just seems like, from all the reports, that it was a really gross, terrible insidious feeling thing that inhabited this one very small forest in Belgium. So if you ever go to the Sonium forest in Belgium, be aware that the eyes might be looking at you. Wait, so so it was thought that this creature had caused the burned bodies? No, it seems like the creature was a product of the burned bodies. Oh, oh God, I got ch- full body chills. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Yep. Nope. Oh, my gosh. Daniel, we can never do a true crime podcast. This is too much. <laughs> <laughs> I had one more cryptid that hangs around in the forests of Pennsylvania. And I have to give credit to... Um, that's spooky because this is where I heard about okay. this particular cryptid. Um, and it's just kind of funny. Kind of, yeah, it's, I think it's just kind of funny, honestly. But it's called the squonk. The squonk. And, <laughs> yep. I'm, it's, I'm not joking. It's called the squonk. I'm, I'm telling you this. I told you this is a palate cleanser for the last one. So just, oh, thank you. just buckle up. The best word I've ever it's, heard. Bu- buckle squonk. up. It's going to be, it's going to be a whole bit. <laughs> But it seems like the squonk uh, originated in the late 19th century at the height of Pennsylvania's timber industry. Mm. The earliest known written account of squonks, it's such a fun word to say, too. It's so The fun. earliest known written it. account of squonks comes from a book by William T. Cox called Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods with a few desert and mountain beasts from 1910. Ooh, um, I want to read this book. And then... Cox's account is reprinted in Jorge Luis Borges' book of imaginary beings. 
So those are the two like entries in the written world for this guy. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you've ever listened to this episode of That Spooky, but I about died. I haven't. No, um, I think this is one I missed. The legend holds that the creature's skin is ill-fitting, being covered with warts and other blemishes, and that because it is ashamed of its appearance, it hides from plain sight and spends much of its time weeping, which I know is sad. Oh, baby. Terrible time. Oh, my God. But that's... <laughs> when hunters attempt to catch a squonk, however... The creature is capable of evading capture by entirely dissolving into a pool of its own tears. Hell Which yeah. I just get him, girl. It's, hey. It's like it's like water sign energy hard as fuck. I know. I was just I about mean, to just say dissolve like, into listen, a pool of my own tears. Do you know if I were a creature, like I think I would be one of the moss maidens, but I would be a squonk. I would just be like, no. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, I feel so bad for this creature. I want to give it a hug. A certain J.P. Wentling is supposed to have coaxed one into a bag, but when he got it in the bag, suddenly it lightened, and then on on inspection, the bag only contained the liquid tears of the sad animal. Okay, and now listen. The scientific name of the squonk, because it has one, and I think that's amazing, is lacrima corpus dissolvens, which oh my God. all come all come from Latin words meaning tear, body, and dissolve. So oh. its Latin name is literally "cry till you dissolve." Why and I just you, think it's hilarious. I, like I just feel in my soul for this creature. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I feel like that one's one of those. I wish you could hear. I want to show you. It's just me after three tequila shots, let's be honest. <laughs> For real, though, I've been there, seen that. <laughs> um, but there, here is oh, what they're said to look like. It's a cute little fuck. buddy. Alright, that was my palate cleanser. Palate cleanse. And that is the end of this round of Woodland Wonders. Woohoo. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do part two because I'm sure there's a bajillion out there. We love a cryptid. Um, oh, so many. And there is so much lore behind trees. So today I am only going to talk about the seven Celtic sacred trees. And I don't have just Celtic, all kinds of stuff. I kind of glommed it all together wherever I wandered off to. It Here it is. But I am going to talk about the seven trees, which are oak, ash, apple, hazel, alder, elder, and yew. Okay. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to start backwards because that's the kind of person I am. But really, Start it's from the bottom, bottom to the top. It's really because the most important is first and it has the most folklore. So I'm going to start with the least folklore first. (laughs) (laughs) Work our way up. There's a method to my madness. (laughs) So we're going to start with you. The you symbolized in Celtic tradition death and resurrection. And the reason for this was because the you branches, as they get older and heavy, like they'll droop. 
And wherever they lay on the ground, they start growing roots and they start growing a new tree. And so the How new cool. tree symbolized, yeah, immortality and death and resurrection. That's it. That's all I got for that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, small one, small one, small one, small one. We're just going to roll on through. So then we go to Elder, which was known as the fairy tree on the Isle of Man. It is a tree that provides protection from evil spirits, which a lot of these do. Um, there's a lot of folklore surrounding, you know, the fae folk and protection from them and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, in Ireland, they used to say that individual elder trees were haunted by fairies and demons. So I'm not sure where the folklore kind of splits there. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's all very mushed in together, but... Yeah, there's not much on the U and the Elder, but now it gets a little bit Let's more. Let's get on to the big ones. We go to Alder. All of these sacred trees, a lot of them were like punishable up to like by death if you cut one of these trees down or used mm -hmm. it for um, wood fires. And that I mean, that seems thing. fair enough, though. Yeah. I love it. Don't fuck with the good trees, okay? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sacred trees. That means... Don't use them for unsacred things. You got I guess. plenty of other fucking trees, okay? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Don't use the sacred ones, guys. Get a grip. Um, it, they were used a lot. Alder trees were in divination and diagnosing diseases. And they also, this is really cool. In pre Christian Ireland, they were used, a rod of alder was used to measure corpses and then measure their grave for them to fit into. I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Kind of cool, though. Like, that's your measuring stick. It's made out of alder. Literal measuring stick. <laughs> um, so now before I talk about the next thing, I have to talk about something called the Oum. The Oum, I kind of went down a rabbit hole about, and I really want to learn more about. But the Oum is this alphabet from 4th to 6th century Ireland. And the Cran Oum is a bunch of the alphabet that are tree names and they're used as mnemonic devices for these tree names, which is really cool. And they're so cool looking and they're used a lot still today in ruins and like casting ruins. It's like, they're all the names of trees, but they're letters of the alphabet in it's casting really cool. ruins. Yeah. Like rune stones, you know, like in divination, like, in um, mm -hmm. it's kind of like a kind of like tarot, not really so much, but the alder is F in Oum. And it's pronounced Fearn, which I thought was pretty cool. Some of these have their own letters in the alphabet. So wait, they all, so some are all of these trees. Some of them, not all of them. Her, her, her. Okay, so then let's move on to the hazel because the hazel is a lot. <laughs> hazel leaves and nuts were found in early British burial mounds. I don't know why, but I guess maybe it had something to do with like death and living, something like that. I guess maybe wisdom, because they symbolized wisdom in a lot of places. Um, yeah, I, what, wisdom in death, though, I guess. That's odd. Potentially. But. In the Oum, C is the hazel, and it's pronounced col or call. I'm not really sure. C-O-L-L. -L. And the hazel slash call 
is the ninth month in the old Irish calendar. So the 6th of August through the 2nd of September, which we're about to be in. Nice. So we're about to be in hazel time. Yeah. It's about to be hazel call. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, I I just did a lot of bullet points and some of them were just like all over the place. Like this folklore was just everywhere, all kinds of random shit. And it like assumed you knew everything about everything. And I was like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know. So you're going down 500,000 different rabbit holes just to try and figure out anything. Yeah. Yeah. But this one was about the Fianna which is this group in Irish mythology that were this small semi-independent warrior bands. And they were pretty cool to research. But to be initiated into the Fianna, you had to defend yourself with only a hazel stick and a shield. Okay. I mean, that makes sense, though. Yeah. Take your hazel stick and your shield and get, get at it with the Fianna into it. In both Ireland and Wales, the fairy tree, it was, you know, hazel was again a fairy tree, and the wood was sacred to poets, so it was super taboo to use it in fires. Again, just like, don't use the sacred trees for Don't use my sacred shit, yo. (laughs) It also represented in the Celtic tradition in Old Ireland that it was the tree of wisdom was the hazel tree. So it represented all of knowledge in arts and sciences. So heralds at the time would carry hazel wands and that represented their badge of office and that they were knowledgeable and something, you know, like that. Okay. (laughs) I loved this too. I included this because I just had this great image in my head when I read it in Wales if you were to reject a lover, you would give them a stick of hazel. <laughs> Which I just it's like I have enough that. wisdom to say no, bitch. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like this person comes up to you, you're just carrying a bunch of toothpicks of hazel in your pocket, and somebody comes up to you and is like, "Hey, uh, you want to go out sometime?" And you're like, mm, "No, <laughs> mm, no." Here's a piece of hazel to extra. Do you need a little salt in the wound? <sighs> oh. Let me just say no extra well. Yeah. In the olden days, witches' wands and divining rods were made of hazel. And they did something called rabdomancy, which is kind of cool. It is the art of divining treasure underground with a forked branch of hazel, which also, um, what is it called when you're looking for water? Water divination. It's a. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It has its own name, though. It's. um. Um, dowsing dowsing thank you yeah (laughs) um but the word itself rabdomancy comes from greece which is rabdos for rod and mantia for divination okay yeah that makes sense to me i want to go find treasure with a hazel branch yeah let's do it so the nuts itself of the hazel tree were kind of the thing that it seemed to me represented wisdom the most. And these hazels of wisdom, they had hazel trees that grew at the heads of the seven chief rivers in Ireland. And the nuts would sometimes fall into the water, which would cause all these bubbles of mystic inspiration. And sometimes salmon would come up and just like eat these nuts. And so they were like, oh my gosh, these salmon are wise as heck. And the amount of spots they have on their back is the amount of hazels they have eaten, the amount of wise nuts they have consumed. 
I don't know why I struggle with that one. That was, yeah, I um, mean, I'm into it, you know. So fish came up and uh, ate the hazelnuts. <laughs> and then we're apparently wise fish because of that. Yeah, obviously. And they had got spots on their back for every hazelnut they ate. Yeah, don't you? What if you ate like, what if you ate like 10 in one day? <gasps> you Then you have 10 new freckles on your back. It's great. <laughs> I wouldn't have any freckles if it was... If it was based on how many wise nuts I've had in my mouth, I would not have very many freckles. <laughs> if we head over to Greece, in Greek mythology, the two sons of Jupiter, Apollo and Mercury, they got gifts to empower them to provide a better life for humanity. And what Mercury got was a winged winged wand made of hazel. So that's maybe where the divination comes from. Um, but the touch of this wand would enable men to be able to express their thoughts by words. And the winged hazel rod with the two serpents entwined around it is still used today. Like, we see it everywhere. It's used yeah. often as a symbol of communication, reconciliation, and mm-hmm. commerce. That's cool. I didn't know that that's where that came from, honestly. Yeah. Greek mythology, I feel like, is still very prevalent today. They were into their folklore. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so then we move on to the next one, apples, which I'm not going to go into detail about because you can just go ahead and scoot on back to our cider episode and we talk a lot about the folklore of apples and the apple tree. Oh, yeah, so much. It's a long time ago, so we probably don't sound as great, but, you know, <laughs> onwards and upwards. You know... <laughs> If you want the folklore, though, you're going to have to listen to shitty Mike, Daniel, and Frank. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we were ever that bad, but potentially we were. And I just don't remember. Our mics correctly. were, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the apple often symbolizes youthfulness, rebirth, and immortality. And one of my favorite things that I remember, I'll just give you a sneak peek if you don't want to go back and listen to our terrible audio quality, is that. Um, the key to immortality is an apple branch that has all stages on it. So you have the apples, you have the leaves, and the branch, I believe. Right? That's all three? Mm-hmm. And a flower. Apple bud, and a leaves, blossom. branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was said, gosh, I'm going to probably butcher this, but <laughs> it was said that the soul of Kuroi McDare, who was the king of Munster in the Ulster cycle, which was... Um, Part these huge historic legends in Ireland and Irish mythology. His soul was confined to an apple in the stomach of a salmon, which appeared once every seven years. So this dude was a lich. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to hide part of your soul, put it in a salmon that appears once every seven years in an apple. I mean, that's pretty... <laughs> It's pretty clever, honestly. Not if you're gonna hide it. That's a, I feel like that's a pretty valid hiding spot. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, apples are pretty cool, but we're gonna move on because this is getting to be a long episode, and I gotta save some stuff yeah, for we, part two. I thought it was gonna be, I thought it was gonna be a short episode, and we're 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 kicking. We it. love folklore. Um, so then the ash, the ash is the tree of healing, in Gaelic Scotland, children. They were given an astringent sap from the ash tree as medicine, which also, like, you know, side fun fact, protected them against witchcraft. So win-win. Perfect. Even when wood was scarce, people, I mean, all over this region would just refuse to cut the ash tree. Like, it was just untouchable. You You don't cut down an ash tree. 
It is often used in Beltane rites still to this day, which is the Gaelic May Day. It's basically halfway between the spring equinox and the summer solstice, and it just celebrates spring at its peak and a lot of, you know, fertility because that's the time of year for it. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. It is also part of the OM alphabet. It is N for Nin. So Ash is N for Nin. Mm -hmm. And its seed pods were used for divination. On the Isle of Man, the wood itself would ward off fairies, keep you safe from them. And the mountain ash, also known as Rowan, in Scottish folklore, a lot of the Celts would bury it with the dead. So I I assume that's also for protection rites and that sort of thing. The ash tree is big in Nordic. Um, If you've ever heard of the Yggdrasil, which is the world tree, which I'll talk about in part two. It sprang from an ash tree. It was an ash tree, an evergreen ash tree, which is pretty cool. And ash is pretty cool. Ash is so pretty, too. I can't wait to talk about Yggdrasil. This is just a brief overview of the, of the fun Celtic trees. <laughs> We're going to touch on the basics. Yeah, we'll go into more Celtic detail in part two. Like, all this, this shit gets fucking wild, It honestly. really does. I mean, tree myths are bananas. So, last but not least, my favorite tree, the oak tree, which I feel like if I ever had a child, I would probably name them oak, because <laughs> I'm a hippie like that. <laughs> oak, the symbol of strength and virility. Uh-huh. Such an awesome tree. The oak, mostly symbolized as a gathering place. A lot of the most holy and sacred sites where people would gather were oak um, groves. Pliny the Elder, our friend in Historia Naturalis, friend of the pod, Pliny the Elder, (laughs) describes a festival on the sixth day of the moon, which I don't know what that means. I guess sixth day of the moon cycle. Yeah, that sounds right. It would have to be. Druids would climb an oak tree, cut a bough of mistletoe, which, fun fact, often grows as a partner tree to the oak, and they would sacrifice two white bulls in a fertility rite. Two white what? Bulls. Male cows. Bulls. I don't know. I thought you said two white bulls. Yeah, like, they just break a bowl like, over the oak tree. How do you sacrifice a bowl? Like, <laughs> smashing bowls on oak trees? Like, what is... Okay. No, right, right, right. the sorry, animals. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh. The olden days were gruesome. But anyways. Britons under Roman occupation worshipped the goddess of the oak. Her name was Darren. How the fuck am I supposed to pronounce this? Bluduid. <laughs> Bluduid. Bluduid. I'm just going to assume. I don't, I don't know how that's pronounced. If you speak Welsh, let me know. Bluduid, a.k.a. flower-faced. She was the Welsh wife of Lula Gifes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> They're always so hard, guys. <laughs> Especially well. Don't judge us oh too harshly. Anyways, she was made from the flowers of broom, meadowsweet, and oak by the magicians Math and Gwydion, which I want to do way more research on because they sound awesome. But Cool ass motherfuckers. Yeah, the oak tree is a staple in a lot of folklore. And that brings me to the end of the seven Celtic sacred trees and what they symbolized to the celtic peoples pretty cool 
Well, I think that part two of this is going to be fucking epic. Yeah. Because that sounded like there was going to be some deep, deep folklore oh, yeah. to go along with it. I'm going to go those. deeper into it. And I really want to go deep into Yggdrasil. And I want to do the Tree of Life and the Tree of Knowledge as well. I think those are like the big top three of the tree lore. <laughs> oh, I mean, those are the ones everyone has heard about. It's yeah. Cool. And if you can think of any more, email us at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at us. We would love to hear from Instagram you. Instagram us. Whatever. We're on the internet. <laughs> If you didn't know, Frankie's big, on <laughs> but so is propagated. And you can find us on all of your social media except for Facebook. So we have the Instagram, we have Twitter. Uh, Frankie even occasionally posts the random TikTok. I do. And she's always really cute when she does it. I don't have it any. It really stresses me out when people look at my face, though. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. But honestly, the best and easiest way to find us and and branch out ah, branch. is to go to our website which is so easy to find <laughs> unintentional tree puns guys you're welcome uh, it's propagatedpodcast.com and if you don't know how to spell it just look at your phone look at whatever you're listening to right net right now it's it's right there p-r-o-p-a-g-a-t-e-d because hopefully we spelled it right <laughs> and we were typing it into all these places that you can listen to us on. So just hop on over to propagatedpodcast.com and you can find any information you need to know about yeah, us. And if you want to support the show, we have a both a coffee where you can do a one-time donation and a Patreon where if you want to join us in our little plant zaddies, you'll get stickers and we hang out. We occasionally have the bonus episode, which we're going to do more of hopefully soon in the future. And... Also, we have a Patreon to shout out, a new patron, a new Plant Zaddy. Welcome to the Plant Zaddy family, Zach, who you can hear on one of our episodes. He talks about moss. Because moss is that shit. It's a really good episode. And thank you, Zach. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so many. And that is the episode. Thank you. I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time. Left in. Bye. Bye.